1: Welcome to Afterwork Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello. How are we? We're good. Um, So we had a bit of feedback last week, mostly from my friend Lauren, um, that she hates the Game of Thrones chats we have. Yeah. So
2: Luckily for her, it's all over.
1: Yeah. I feel like because it's the last one ever we should limit ourselves to like a five minute chat yeah
2: we'll just we know that it's weird don't you think it's weird that people aren't fans of it because i'm like everyone on planet earth is a fan but apparently not
1: well lauren and anton were bitching about it the other day and anton was like oh well it only became a thing like a year ago and i was like there hasn't even been a new season in like (laughs) two
2: years what the fuck is wrong with you um (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I almost am glad that it's over as well. Like I know, I feel like it's a weight off my shoulders that I just don't have to worry about anymore.
1: I feel like that too. Um, but should we have like a very quick chat about yeah, the put finale? A timer on. We'll knock it out if you don't give it a shit. It'll be done by. God, my maths. Six minutes thirty. Okay. Yes, Six thirty, okay. So what did, what did you think?
2: Um, I didn't hate it. I feel like people online are being like the worst ending ever. Like I didn't feel like that, but I also didn't love it either. But I just think there would have been no possible way for me to love it after how this season's gone.
1: I think Bran is just the most random person yes. ever. Yeah. Like I cannot deal that he's the fucking king that's just so bad the more i think about it i know
2: and i so i think i told you that i read that like reddit leaked theory yes and that had been right about everything else and then i read that i don't know why i read it i just can't help myself and it was like beat for beat exactly what happened in that fucking episode so i just knew the whole way through i was (laughs) like bran's gonna be the king did it say like john was gonna stab daenerys yeah it was like john like stabs daenerys i'm pretty sure fuck Like, he has to kill her and then Tyrion gets put in jail and then they have, like, a meeting and they decide that Bran is the right leader because, like, I don't know, he's a fucking warg or whatever. I was like, I don't get it. I don't, like, what's the rationale behind this?
1: And also, I just love how Tyrion was like, Bran, you're the leader. And then Bran was like, I don't want it. And then...
2: I don't want it. So Brian was like,
1: I don't want it. And then um they were like, Okay, Brian, you're the leader and he was just like, What do you think I came all this way for? I know. It's like you either fucking want it or you don't. He sucks. It's literally me like when someone's like, I'll take a photo of you and I'm like, I don't want you to as I like pose around minutes. Yes,
2: exactly. I just he's I think he they hired him when he was a child actor and he grew up to be a really shit actor. Because he can't, just can't do anything. Daniel like he's Radcliffe. literally, yeah, he's literally just like, yes. Like they just give him nothing because he just can't deliver mm-hmm. anything. So you don't even get who he is. No. What's the point of like he's literally the worst character in the whole show, probably the history of the whole. Yeah, show. Yeah, and then you just won apart from that, like, you're on Greyjoy. <laughs> yeah. And then he, you
1: know, like, like even fuck? when, um, so. Foxtel were having all these like screenings and inviting people and then they were like, Oh, a big Game of Thrones character's coming and I was like, Oh, well, let's go to this, stand on and then I found out it was Isaac Hempstead White or whatever his fucking name is and I was like, Never mind, no, let's just watch be. it on our fucking like stream on the computer i'd rather not
2: i know it was the worst decision i really loved when john like stabbed daenerys same that was my favorite i was like they were kissing and i was like to zach i was like if he does not fucking stab her in the face right this second i'm turning off and then it was like, and I was yeah. like
1: yeah it was that was a great scene <laughs> yeah I, i'm except like the fucking dragon just i mean what is The dragon yeah yeah the dragon <laughs> <laughs> i just as i was saying it, i was like the show is so ridiculous why am i talking about a dragon i, know, I, I was like, like I, I was like i must be saying this
2: wrong i know and people were like oh drogon i was like can we not like fucking characterize the cgi dragon please yes like, there were like, so many it, stories like, on character it. character development <laughs> i was like yuck oh so bad get a grip please and then yeah he like burnt the throne
1: my favorite part was um the
2: outtake of sense of vaping <laughs>
1: Yes, when that they was do that yeah, scene.
2: Yeah, amazing. Yeah, she was like doing a duel. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I don't, I think the whole show was meant to be about the Starks, but I didn't really like any of the ones that survived apart from Sophie Turner. Yeah, but even like, do you even like Sansa? No. Exactly. Like the most <laughs> of all of them, but like, not even then. I'm like, Jon Snow is just a dumb plank of wood. But Sansa just... I would say this to my mum and she actually was getting really upset. She was like, stop calling Jon dumb. Like she got like really worked up. She was like, he's not dumb. I was like, he just... Is, yeah, he just couldn't get abreast of anything this season. He was always like a few steps behind.
1: Yeah, he was really dumb. He's kind of like the Ron, like the Ron Weasley or the Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah, just and like, Ugh. but like Sansa is just a really shit character, and yes. I think like the only reason we all like her is because we all like Sophie Turner in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. In real life,
2: I know. And I'm like Ari, I just could not care less. Brand just a nightmare. And then what was with that little <laughs> scene at the end where they were all like. It was like, like just this little comedy troupe. Being I know. Like, Bron, what are we going to do with the money? And he was like, brothels, lol. And Brian was like, no, let's spend it on roads. Do you know I I like, what I actually
1: love? Um, that Lena Headey yes. wouldn't be in the same room as Bron. I, oh,
2: don't yeah, know his, they dated. Yeah, I don't know
1: his real name because they dated.
2: Why would she date him? I think he could be a bit attractive. But like. She, I just think she's one of like the most, top three most beautiful women on the planet. And like, mm. look at all the men that have been in Game of Thrones.
1: No, but they dated like years and years and years oh. ago before Game of Thrones. Oh, so this sorry. entire time. I she like picked him
2: out of the cast. No. Like, out of every possible man. Why would you, you zero in on him? So for the
1: last decade, they've been avoiding each other on set. How, How funny is that? Like in not one scene God, in the entire really 10 years. Europa. And he was in King's Landing for like ages. ages yeah. With Jamie and Tyrion. And he's just never been on a scene with her what did
2: we do i
1: know i kind of love it when like you find out co-stars don't get along in real Same. life apart from kim cattrall and sarah jessica Parker, i know because that's so devastating. that's devastating and then like blake lively and leighton meester yeah i can see that yeah i can see
2: that for some reason
1: i feel like leighton yeah. meester would just get really annoyed with blake lively yes like she would just be like shut up i know and everyone would just love her yeah and she'd work
2: like really hard and like study all her lines and be really studious and blake Lively would come in and be like i forgot and they'd be (laughs) like we love you (laughs) yeah and then she's just so famous yeah i know and she's done like four movies anyway
1: and they're so bad
2: (laughs) (laughs) they're so bad I was going to say one other thing, which was, oh, my God, Lena here. So they all got paid the same for this season. Did you see this? Yeah. And because she was in like four seconds of it, she ended up getting paid like $68,000 a minute. And all she did time.
1: was drink wine and stare out of the window. <laughs> and then just get crushed by rocks. That's just heaven. Yeah. So she's the like, best. She's the best. Um, Yeah. So Daenerys. No, we got to wrap it up. It's too. It's already past time. Is it? (laughs) Yeah. Oh my
2: god. Okay. Whatever. (laughs) That's enough. If someone fast forwarded, all they'd hear is me being like, "So Daenerys."
1: (laughs) Yeah. They skipped it again. He lied. Yeah. um, Do you have any recommendations this week? I
2: do. I actually have a new HBO show for those who are looking for a new obsession. Hit me. It's called Chernobyl. It's three. The third episode is just about to come out, so they're coming out week by week. And it's set in, like you know, the Chernobyl accident. No, like (laughs) there was like this huge nuclear, like a nuclear plant basically just fully exploded, and they were like where in the Ukraine in Chernobyl. Chernobyl is is it a place? Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, in the like late eighties, and it was this crazy thing where because it was full like soviet russia they didn't want anyone else to know about it because it was so 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 serious like there, there was a point where they were like this could wipe out europe because oh my it was god. it was more the impact of all of the stuff was like more than the atomic bomb in japan all up and it was just floating all over like towards germany towards sweden towards thing and they were like okay no one can know oh my god and then the u.s got satellite footage of the plant
1: us when we're, like, a little bit drunk at a work event and we have to go to work the next day. Yeah.
2: No one can know. <laughs> Deleting all the footage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. And then America was like, what is this? And they were like, nothing. Um. Uh, but the show has Stellan Skarsgård and Emily Watson and some other people that you would recognise. It's a bit jarring because it's, like, all super English actors and it's set in the Ukraine. And, like, mm. a couple have tried to put on a Ukrainian accent, no. but the rest are, like hey up like where's the explosion like just with a full english voice
1: what i love is that movie fuck what was it that Tom Cruise was it, oh, and, yeah, and everyone else was, like, where was it set? Nazi Germany. Yeah, and he was just American.
2: <laughs> he was, like, fully American and other people were doing, I know, German accents. Oh, it my God, me, to...
1: as, like, if I was an actor, that would be my, I think, my one downfall. I know. The rest but... I'd be great at, but, like, the... accents are just not my thing. But there,
2: it is, I kind of get it with this show because it is kind of cringy having what's obviously like 50 English actors and they're all like putting on these kind of varying degrees of awkward Russian accents like you'd kind of just prefer they're like okay this is all make believe (laughs) yeah anyway
1: like even Game of Thrones it's just like oh we're all British
2: (laughs) yeah exactly exactly um so that's amazing and then I've been reading another rogue reading suggestion I've been reading (laughs) Gore Vidal's memoirs it's like sounds really dry but they're actually so 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 good he says so he it reminds me so much of how in america everything it's almost like it's almost like a royal family system in america when it comes to politics like we think just anyone gets in and then you find out it's been the same like eight families just mm. being in as like president george w bush he was like just the like Bushes, the, the dumbest kid ever and they were just like oh okay yeah. yeah exactly you can do it yeah and um like so he his name is Gore Vidal but that's his like mother's maiden name and his dad's maiden name together so the Gores from his first name is like Al Gore who is the vice president under Clinton and then ran against George Bush and should have won but he has like his grandfather was a senator his mum remarried his mum married Jackie Kennedy's the person who Jackie Kennedy's mum went on to marry so him and Jackie Kennedy were like step siblings and he just tells the juiciest shit in this book about everyone it's so crazy he was like jackie kennedy taught my sister how to like post sex douche at her wedding oh my god like jf like john f kennedy um was like a piece of shit misogynist and he used to do stuff like he always wanted to have sex in a bathtub and um would make girls be on top and sometimes he would like just before he was about to finish, like hold them underwater, so they were thrashing around. Oh my god! Yeah, she, he, like he was like, "There's all these famous actresses in Hollywood that have horror stories about JFK."
1: That's crazy. Yeah, it's all crazy.
2: I was like, "Oh my god!" the
1: The gossip in this fucking book. As a side note, um, you know how it's all like quite incestuous. Yes. Um, I had no idea that the Queen of England, <laughs> yeah. and Prince Philip are second cousins. Mm. Like I knew that like, oh. they were. It was all like very
2: close and oh, I didn't whatever. Know that
1: either. Yeah. So, this is like Megan Markle is just such a bombshell. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's
2: what I mean. These like yeah. dynasty things. Everything is so related. Yeah.
1: You're basically, just set up to be like, I knew someone. that they all kind of were like, you know, lords and ladies and really
2: close families. But I was like, cousins. Second cousins? Like, that's a lot. That's close. If I was like, oh, this is my boyfriend. And then you found out afterwards it was we second cousins, I feel like you'd kind of like stop being my friend. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And you'd be like, oh, I thought Grace was normal, but but she's definitely not.
1: Yeah people who like get attracted to cousin their is like family it's like there's just so many others out there like just just stop like yeah. come on you get you you can literally just be like okay this is bad like we've all had a crush on the wrong person and we've all worked it out like just get away there's all there's everyone has a person they cannot text to save their lives yeah i know
2: i know how weird mm-hmm. but for elizabeth they're probably like here's seven first cousins you can marry and one second cousin Prince
1: Philip was like like such a bad boy he he was a hottie when he was young and she was just like I'm the queen fucking marry me like she I I quite love Queen Elizabeth for that she was just like
2: give me that one and wasn't she like 11 when they met like it was like a bit off chops
1: yeah what are you googling I'm just googling Prince Philip Young
2: (laughs) very important just to remind to, myself uh, he was like it, look at him he's like the exact kind of guy yeah he was just do, like a dirt bag just yeah. like swoon over and yeah. just tall he's got a great gait
1: i love as well i just cannot wait for the crown
2: season three you know that the guy actually in sorry to bring this up game of thrones you know the <laughs> uncle who was like what about me at the thing and sansa was like sit down oh yeah he's replacing matt smith as prince philip oh yes
1: random yes I think heaps of people know who is he is like yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 but I just didn't know that yeah funny um yeah I know it's I just like don't want the new cast to come you'll lo- you'll love it I will love it yeah. but right now I'm just like I cannot I
0: know. get
1: over Vanessa Kirby and Claire Foy
2: I know
0: they're just
1: like the dream duo I know but like how good is Olivia Colman yes like, and I love person. Olivia Colman yeah
2: so that'll be good um do you have more ricks? Um, yes, I do. Actually, I have one more recommendation, which was, um, the New York times have this newsletter. It's called in her words and it's basically a specific EDM for EDM. (laughs) No one says that. I know that's what we have to call it at work. It's like an email. Um, and it's like a single topic that's of interest to women written by one of their female journalists. And this week's one was basically about how people need to start taking, um, it's called Teen Teen Girls and Dating Violence. And it's basically about how people don't take young girls, like teenagers in relationships seriously. And like people always under like undervalue or under appreciate it and are like, Oh, you're just young, you're stupid, mm-hmm. it's not really a thing and then because of that the signs of violence that build are then not recognized because parents and society don't take those relationships seriously so I, and that- i
1: feel like those relationships are when it's kind of really bad yes like, the, like literally the worst relationship i've ever been in was when i was 16 really yeah Yeah, and my boyfriend was like 21 and a fucking dropkick hello yeah. sam um and <laughs> he was just like the worst and he was so controlling yes and so mini- manipulative like i would go to school and he would be like, "You have to come. You have to like get to my house by three thirty p.m. Oh my god. And you have to bring me a pie." Oh. <laughs> I'm not fucking joking. And then I used to have to pay for his weed. And I was 16. He was just like horrible. Yuck. but he was also so controlling. Like yeah, I remember like constantly. No. I remember like getting in the shower
2: and like bawling my out. Oh my god. And being like, "This is this is crazy. This is too much." And you don't know. And then because the people around you, like your parents, are like you're young and stupid and mm. this isn't real and don't be so serious and teenagers get so emotional like you miss really important signs of upcoming violence because they just think yeah. that it's all girls being girls and, yeah, it's a great story. And it's, it says that of the 2,200 homicides of young people from 'o three to 2016, 7% or 150 of those deaths were f- from – intimate partners and girls made up 90 percent of the victims that's so crazy so it's like that we we have we know the signs of domestic violence in adults but we haven't taught young teenage girls how to recognize them really early on
1: mm, it is. so
2: i really like that. and also that newsletter you can just sign up to
1: yes. you don't have to be subscribed to the new york times
2: no i don't think so no it's called in her words but then you'll have to click on an article and you won't be able to get in. No,
1: it it, publish, it gives it to you
2: in full. Oh, amazing. Yeah, it's really good. And then it's got like a list of other stuff that's happening. Yeah, that, like, I it, love their, um,
1: their newsletters because at the end of them, they always do like, this is my favorite thing when they recommend things that aren't written by the New York Times. Yeah. So that's where I got Saving Sex in the City 3. Um, I got it from the end of a cut newsletter and it was nice. just like. It was just in there yeah. as a recommendation. Yeah. yeah.
2: So this one will have like that story about gender violence in teenagers. And then you scroll down to the bottom and it's like. The T, the Times, the T Times magazine piece on Rihanna's Fenty line,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and then it just links out to that. I'm like, that's exactly what I want to read next. Yeah, York Times.
1: <laughs> um, I only have a couple of recommendations. One thing we haven't talked about yet is the Netflix show that everyone's obsessed with. Did to me? Oh, have you um, no, heard no, of it? Not across it. It's like a new Netflix series, and it's got Christina Applegate in it and Linda Cadenelli you'll you'll Geeks. yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah. cute and so basically they meet at this sort of count therapy thing where you've lost I think it's I don't know whether the therapy is specific to no it's just like you've lost someone close to you yeah um but they'd both lost their husbands yeah and so they meet and they bond through that and they become really good friends and then um there's like this really big twist that happens in like the second episode so Mm. I don't want to say what it is but after that it just gets like it's it's pretty good. I'm okay. only like i li- I'm only a little bit into it, but basically we wrote a story about it at work, and it was going like crazy because really? people love it so much, oh. and it's got an eight point
2: three on IMDb. Wow, which is what I, I, I live know. off. Yeah, I know, same. Yeah, I was laughing so hard at all the IMDb's of the Game Sorry, the Game of Thrones <laughs> content this year because some were getting like. 4.4 i was like can we all what, relax the please? yeah oh my god everyone was like revolting it's so good And am duple's drag race if people are angry that one queen's been eliminated the episode will get like one, zero 1. 1.6 and all the other ones are like 9.2 <laughs> <That's so laughs> the fans funny. are so crazy yeah that's so
1: good um and then another piece that's basically just me um like celebrating myself yes <laughs> is All about that a piece on primer which is um they got seven writers and readers journalists on the books that they would recommend to anyone so it's books that like you would recommend to your mom as much as you would recommend to your best friend as much as you would recommend to your like mm-hmm. boss and it is, he's
2: in very good company there's clementine ford on there as well yeah a and Jacqueline selection. mayley Ugh. um no grace o'neill <laughs> lost in the fucking mail
1: <laughs> um and it's funny because I read like a lot and my memory is fucked and mm. so I'm, I was literally like I just haven't read a book like I don't know what book <laughs> I would recommend and all I could think about was the last three books I'd read and yeah. I was like one is normal people and she was like no that's taken I was Ugh. like fuck and then the other one was a little life and I was like I just definitely can't recommend that to anyone because right. it's like the most heartbreaking thing you'll ever read oh, God. Um, and then the other one was Becoming by Michelle Obama which actually was like a fucking brilliant book. You need to read it. I
2: need to read it's it. It's so
1: good. Um, and so I books are so expensive. Yeah, I know. Like they really are. That? Yeah. but with that one, Not this is sound how like crazy. A broken
2: record, but this is why I go to the option the op shop.
1: <laughs> um. Yeah, I with Becoming, I was so obsessed with it that I was reading it and it was a huge, huge book. Yeah, I was reading it and then I I, I like don't listen to audiobooks and I downloaded Audible and got one free audiobook yeah. and got the book that I already had at home. Yeah. Like, I literally got just Becoming so and then yeah. as I was walking to work, I would put on the chapter that I'd left off mm. and then that got just so confusing and annoying because <laughs> I'd have to be like, I'd have to then like fast forward Audible and find where I was and then I just never did it. Yeah. But... Anyway, I recommended that and there's a bunch of other really good reads Um, and it's on this new website called Primer, which is an Australian website and it's all like made with women in mind. So it's – they've got really good contributors and they do um, women's issues and feminism and also like fashion-y bits and pieces. Yeah, so that's a good little recommendation. And then the last thing that I loved was on um, the New York Times and I put it in our Facebook group and it's um, talking about vanity and how like – in the elder generation so they go into all of these homes where all of these women are kind of like it's the last thing that i hold on to that makes me feel really good about myself is mm-hmm. like makeup and like heaps of them go and get botox and fillers oh, and heaps is. of them like wear really out crazy outfits that they never would have worn before because for once like for the first time in their lives they feel really comfortable within themselves yeah. and it's just like the cutest pick. one of the women saying when I was younger, I always tried to look right. Very appropriate. I was more concerned about image. But now that I've started to age, I marched my own drum. I wear my sneakers. I wear my tights. I don't want to look absurd, but I do try different identities. I feel liberated. I have no one to please but myself.
2: Love her. Love her. Love her.
1: Love these old trendy ladies. I know. And then, sorry, I just remembered that I have one more recommendation. <laughs> um, it is on Workism. And it's the Ezra Klein show. And they do an he does an episode on work as an identity and burnout as a lifestyle. So it's basically workism is the idea that work should be the center of our lives and our identity and our society. So it's kind of really relevant to us because that is like literally us. Yes. And I don't know if it's just our industry. I feel like it's everyone, but even probably more so in our industry because like not only are we going to work every day, but we're going to all these events, like yes. work working in fashion means you dress differently. Yeah, You kind of surrounded by different people than you would normally be surrounded mm.
2: by like it's it's a weird industry to be in yes and it's like you know you don't get paid particularly well you everything that you're doing is a labor of love mm. it's like everyone who is working there is working there because they're so obsessively passionate over yeah. the products and they've grown up obsessing over doing this and loving it so it feels so much more like your whole life and it, like this huge part of who you are yeah then a regular job i guess but i think everyone feels like that about their industry and their careers now. yeah
1: and on the show he had two guests and one of them was ann helen peterson who's that Mm. woman who wrote the millennial burnout piece for buzzfeed that went viral earlier this year yeah that was so good yeah so it was really interesting to hear her talk um and it's very relevant because i have news i have quit my job yes (laughs) because i'm moving to london But first, going to Europe for a little bit and then flitting around LA for the US summer. Um, The podcast will not be affected. Yes. PSA. PSA. Uh, We're just going to continue it on Skype, which we've done a couple of times before and it's been totally fine. Yes. Um, I'm all for day drinking. You won't notice the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll still be nighttime for you. So you'll still be drinking. Exactly. Um, And I think that it will even be better because like as we do the podcast now, me and Grace talk 24-7 and see each other all the time. Yes. And so we try and avoid saying things. We avoid telling each other things so that on the podcast it can be the first time. But sometimes it's yeah. just like impossible. Or we'll have like
2: a good chat about something and then we'll be like, fuck, we should have waited. To yeah. Put that on the podcast. Yeah. And you just can't, you just can't recreate that magic. Whereas with this,
1: whereas with, with this, it'll be kind of the first time we're chatting. Um, I've got like a bunch of friends in la who are doing really cool things like my friend Stephen just went to the fucking oscars after party which is like i'm basically going to la to get us invites to the 2020 met gala Yes, that's like
2: the first thing on and only thing on izzy's itinerary while yes she's there you need to like get the word out get us on some lists mm-hmm. get people across us
1: yeah um and my aunt lives in san francisco so i'll go and visit her and just hang out um, and I'm doing that by myself. My boyfriend's going straight to London. And it was sort of this thing where we had this tug of war where I wanted to move to LA. He really wanted to move to London. So I was like, fine, we'll move to London, but I'm going to go and do LA for a little bit by myself first. Yes. So it is kind of scary, but it's like, I'm sort of just like, I think this is the last time in my life that I'll move to a new city alone.
2: Yeah. When you were talking to me about it at first, I was like, oh, that's just so crazy. Like going to LA for a few months, is just so crazy. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, firstly it kind of isn't secondly, yeah yeah <laughs> secondly it's like these are the exact everyone you talk to everyone we talk to now who's older or, or who has kids or whatnot are always like whatever that thing is that you just keep thinking about and keeps niggling at you you just have to do it yeah before but, yeah. you settle down and because do i was like serious life stuff because you know, no one ever is like oh i really wish i hadn't gone to la for three months when i was like Yeah, in my twenties, like, what the fuck, you know? People say, yeah. Well, I was just
1: sort of like, maybe, you know, maybe later after London, he'll want to go. But then I was like, I'm just going to go for a few months now. Yeah, like I've quit my job anyway, and just and just put off finding a new one for a little bit. So I'm going to be freelancing for a while in LA because obviously I can't get a job because then I'm going to London. But it'll be good because then we'll have more time for this podcast. I'll have more time for reading and recommendations. I'm literally just going to be like harassing everyone in our Facebook group with recommendations. I know it'll
2: be amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited. Were you were you nervous about like quitting and all the work stuff?
1: Yeah, I was like, I feel like because I think when you're when you're in any job, you kind of it becomes your life, and yes. you think you can't see anything outside of it. Like yes. I remember even when I was at uni, I did. Um, I was like a student brand manager at Red Bull which is yeah. like you kind of do management for like the uni campuses and things like that and I was like I don't think I could ever work anywhere else yeah, like this yeah. is the coolest company in yeah. the world what yeah. the fuck Yeah. and then my job in New Zealand I was working for a fashion magazine over there and I was like oh this is all yes. there is and you kind of get caught up in like the your things are yeah, yeah and just the things that surround your job like going to fashion weeks and like I don't know doing all these fun things that yeah. suddenly you're like oh I'm not gonna like be anything if I don't have my job yes which is just so stupid yeah
2: it's crazy but I think
1: that now that it's like actually happening and I'm like okay I'm gonna experience all these incredible things I'm gonna probably just get like a
2: cool job in London anyway yeah it's not like you're moving to like Chernobyl (laughs) yeah like (laughs) Like you're moving to just somewhere where there's like it's like a, the step forward in our industry anyway to go yes to London or New yeah York. and like i've got so many connections
1: over there that it's like yeah. i've got so many people who are like what date do you get here let's meet i'm like i, know, I just need a little bit of a break be,
2: you should just try and enjoy this period because it's like three months or four months of freelancing which will be amazing anyway but like you'll never probably not to be morbid but have a period (laughs) like that in your life ever again like you're always going to be working you're not going to suddenly not work in the same industry you've always worked in so just try and enjoy the period for what it is and don't use it stressing about yeah what next and i remember
1: a while ago on this podcast we talked about like burning out and kind of how people are approaching age 30 and they're sort of like I'm so tired I like I, I want to do something else I'm just
2: yeah and we, over we it. feel like we're lazy if we're not working ourselves into a hysterical state 24 7 mm. like if i'm not completely panicked and stressed out at work because i have so much on that i can't breathe under the weight of it i feel <laughs> yeah. like i'm being a slacker
1: yeah i know so i think it's kind of nice to just have this break and just really reassess what i actually want yeah because it might not be this
2: yeah it might you might like become a yoga teacher <laughs> yeah like you might there and be like i love fucking rock climbing just, now
1: yeah just something else yeah might exactly. be what i'm like i think i'll always write but maybe in a different capacity yeah Maybe I'll become an author. I know. <laughs> Maybe I'll go to Ireland and try and copy Sally Rooney. Yeah. What? Yeah. We can
2: write a book about like two girls that start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> is he in Grace? Like everyone are just like, why would we read this one? I know. It's the shortest book of all time. Um
1: and then another really great um element and pretty much the exact reason I'm moving to London is that Rihanna has secretly been living there for two years. What? It just came out yesterday. Really? That she's been living in London under the radar for the past two years and everyone just found out. I
2: do feel like London is the kind of place where she could like hop on the tube and you'd mm. get some people being like, Oh my god, but yeah. She could like blend in. Yeah.
1: Like even when I was reading, um, sorry, Amelia Clark um, talking about Game of Thrones, she was just like, I walked around London for two hours, just like, yeah, my mind blowing. And I was like, imagine if I was just in London and Amelia Clark just walked past, being like, oh my god, that (laughs) final. I'd be like, honey, (laughs) honey, yeah. So that's the news. Podcast is going to be better than ever.
2: Yes, good for us to know as well that when we blow up internationally and become A list celebrities, that. We'll always have London to walk around without being spotted. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, so important.
1: Okay, do you want to top up? Yes. <laughs> so on to a far more serious topic than where Rihanna resides, is on May 14th, a couple of days after we recorded our last episode, 25 white male Republicans in Alabama passed the most restrictive anti-abortion law in the U.S. It states that abortion is illegal in all cases, including rape and incest, and that any doctor caught performing an abortion will be jailed from between 10 to 99 years, which is longer.
0: This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Much longer than the rapist would serve. The only time an abortion is
1: allowed is if continuing the pregnancy is a threat to the mother's life. Georgia, Kentucky, Ohio, Missouri, and Mississippi have all passed a law called the Fetal Heartbeat Law, which means that abortion is illegal as soon as a heartbeat can be detected, which can be as early as six weeks before most women will even know they're pregnant. The law also affects women who suffer a miscarriage, who will then be grilled to find out whether the miscarriage was induced and who could face jail time if that is said to be the case.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's fucked up. It's actually crazy. I think when this first passed... I was not, sh- I was, I wasn't shocked by how much it's taken hold in the conversation. Like I've been, I guess, pleasantly surprised because mm-hmm. it's been this huge, huge, huge thing that's dominated the news cycle. I feel like it's, I, I feel like it's been discussed more in Australia than our election was. Yeah, absolutely. In, like in terms sure, of like yeah. permeating my mm-hmm. like brain. Mm. Um, this, yeah, the whole case is pretty fucking wild I think there's been some really good content surrounding it, especially from the daily about what this actually means, because mm-hmm. I feel like in isolation, it sounds so crazy. Then when you see the larger context, it's also crazy, but for like a different reason.
1: Yeah. So like the laws are all an attempt to get the 1973
2: Roe versus Wade law thrown out. Right. Yes. So Reverse Wade basically made abortion a constitutional right for women in America in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And when it was passed, there's a really great like two or three part special on the daily from ages, ages, ago. ages ago. I looked it up. It. Um, and they talked about how it actually passed. And it's really fascinating because when it passed in the 70s, it actually passed with absolutely no kind of backlash mm. or they, there was a very small amount from like christian or catholic minority groups but it wasn't this huge political issue mm-hmm. it is today and it was actually in the 80s when ronald reagan was running for president and he was struggling to get like his votes over the, over the line his campaign manager suggested that he would get the evangelical christian community on side if he took up abortion as a political issue so it didn't get thrown into the whole political
1: yeah, because sphere, back then yeah. the um, evangelical Christians didn't really have much to do with politics. They wouldn't yes. really vote. And so the way that he got voters was to approach them and like side with these real, like these priests to talk yes. about abortion. And then
2: this whole surge, millions and millions of people are now going to the yes registering to vote. Yes, exactly. And now it's become this huge thing of us versus them, political side, like yeah everything basically and the whole reason that this bill has passed in alabama is they know it's unconstitutional and they know that they're going to be sued for it and their hope is that they get sued at every level roe v wade gets taken back up by the supreme court and then overturned and because our mate brett kavanaugh is mm-hmm. now a supreme court judge the balance of power has shifted towards being more conservative so there's a theory that yeah because it,
1: it, so there's like what
2: five conservative conservative like liberals yeah yeah basically with varying degrees on all sides yeah so it's like supposed to interpret the law as the law is but obviously these things play like a massive role Mm. um so that's basically the plan and then the daily interviewed the alabama lawyer who's been really instrumental in this and yeah so for like 30 years he's
1: been for 30 years, he's been
2: trying to throw abortion out. Yes. The, sorry, Roe versus Wade. Yeah. And he's like, I don't even know if this will work, but we're just, like he just used some fucking weird metaphor. Like he was like, I'm just a soldier in the war or something. I was like, yeah. Can you get a fucking what? Knife? The
1: war of women having autonomy <laughs> over their rights. own bodies. You know, it's um, so gross. But yeah, basically since Roe versus Wade, um, various states have been trying to make abortion They've been trying to th- overturn it by making abortion, though legal, sometimes impossible to access. Yes. So, in some states in the U.S., there is one abortion clinic. Like it's legal, but if you can get into that one abortion clinic, and some states in the U.S. are the size of Australia. Yeah. Imagine if there was one in just Perth right now. Yes.
2: Yeah, so and you had to get there. You can get there exactly. And then on top of that, you have fucking lunatics lined up outside screaming at you as we walk in or like bombing the centers yeah
1: so there was um i think in the 80s a doctor was just shot a doctor Mm. who would perform abortions was just shot through the window and died yeah and then i also read ages ago this um i haven't reread it recently so my facts are quite like i can't remember the exact story but um it was about abortion clinics in the u.s and this woman who works in one she um i God, i can't remember where but i think it's somewhere in one of these states she works in one and she was leaving work one day and every single day there's protests protesters out there screaming like they have to be really careful about driving home in case they get followed yeah and one day she went on a date with a guy and she told him that she worked in like women's health care yeah and then um he found out that it was um she worked at like a planned parent she worked at an abortion clinic yeah and he raped her he raped her, and he Christ. was like screaming out, "This is what you deserve!" Oh my god! Yeah, like it's oh, it's is mental. So this book, I'm
2: just gonna
1: and then they call themselves pro life. It's like you're worried about life, but you want to do that to someone.
2: I read a book um, last year called A Book of American Martyrs. Wait, let me double check. Yes, A Book of American Martyrs by Carol Joyce Oates, and that's all about a. It's basically. A, abortion clinic shooting from the perspective of the shooter and then from the perspective of the people working at the clinic like it flip-flops in between Mm -hmm. the two sides of it it's a it's become this huge 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 issue in america and i think it's worth i guess before we get into the reasons why abortion is so important and why we're we're obviously pro-choice and why this law is ridiculous i guess to look into very briefly the perspective of these men who are doing it I come from like a Irish Catholic family, and I don't think anyone in my family is would be a pro lifer, but there is a kind of anti-abortion feeling in my broader extended family. And well, I think yeah, it just did comes. Could you just from, say where you come, like Ireland? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. My so my dad's one of ten, so obviously mm. that side <laughs> don't believe in abortion, and um, he basically the way that these people think about it is that these are like unborn children who are being murdered yeah so yeah, like they what think they're, they're f- doing they're, they're not like fuck women we hate women we don't want you to have rights they're like well they, some of them some of them yeah. but like they mainly are just like really feel like they have this god-given quest to protect babies
1: which is just so fucking crazy because it's like you'll protect the baby in the womb but then the baby is likely going to be born either unwanted or or into a place that cannot look after them, mm. like, the so they're just, like, not even invested in the life of the baby once it's born, well, yeah, or the, the, the life same, of the woman. Yeah. It's just, like, when the baby's in the womb, they're like, oh, no, 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 it's got to yeah. be born. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, yeah, matter. Yeah. it doesn't matter whether it's born into, like, foster care, yes. whether it's going to go through the system, yes. whether it's going to have... aren't
2: going to invest in a good welfare system. No, or whether like, it's going to have yeah. mental
1: disabilities, whether yeah. the mother's going to have PTSD, whether she's going to be able to take care of it, whether she's yeah. going to be able to... Um, have enough money to put food on the table they're just like oh well it's born that's like perfect now we've just got like and also the majority of women who have who have abortions are women of color in the u.s yes and women who
2: are what's the word like like lower socioeconomic groups like poorer women basically yeah
1: and so it's just fostering that and meaning that like people are not gonna be able to get out of the situations that they're in because they're now stuck.
2: Yeah I think it's worth I think it's I think basically like the important thing in this conversation is the fact that when you're pro-choice you're not like enthusiastically for abortion like no one's like yes I love abortion like no. I really wish that abortion was legal because I like we all want to have one like <laughs> it's like no one loves abortions no one
1: wants to have an people, abortion yeah no
2: people n- never want to have them no one wants to get into a situation everyone would be much 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 happier in a world where unpro- unwanted pregnancy never happened yes but unfortunately the reality of life is such that unwanted pregnancy happens regularly for like a myriad of reasons one fucking being that the republicans are obsessed with teaching celibacy in schools which never works Mm. so they're basically fostering this system in which teenage pregnancy is rampant because kids aren't taught how to use fucking protection anyway you can't It's like we'd like to live in a world where drug addiction doesn't happen or Mm -hmm. where, uh, I don't know, like domestic violence doesn't happen or where all these horrible things don't happen, but they do. So we need our legal systems to reflect reality and to just make things safer for people. Like we talked about comparing it in a way to pill testing where we're like, yes, we would all like to live in a world where people didn't abuse drugs, but they do. So we need to like help avoid people Dying. dying or having terrible things happen to them within the reality of how the world works. And it's Mm -hmm. like with abortion, women will be getting abortions whether or not it's legal. So why don't we just make it safe for them so they don't have to go to some fucking back alley hatchet job and risk dying? Exactly. And um,
1: I think, like, obviously in cases of rape and incest, that's just – it's really, really horrible Mm. to have to carry a baby after you've been through a really traumatic experience. But then also it's fucking horrible to have to carry a baby – just generally if it's unwanted just yes. generally if you know that you can't care about it if you're a teenager mm. and you accidentally get pregnant because it's your first boyfriend like we ha- we had um actually so many
2: We were like inundated with stories from women who have... Yes, we put a call out in the Facebook group for women to talk about their experiences with abortion and why it was so important that they had access to safe and affordable abortions. And the feedback we had was kind of incredible.
1: Yeah, we had um, one girl say she was 16 years old. Her parents don't know to this day that she had an abortion. She just went and had one because she knew that's what she needed to do. She was going to university the next year. Um, She said it was one of the most it was traumatic but not because she was an she was emotional about wanting the baby not at all she she knew that it was the right decision for her and that's what a lot of women who have come to us have said um but it was really really painful it was traumatic being like kind of assessed by doctors you have to go to psychs they have to like really grill you to see if you want the baby. Mm. And then in New Zealand at that time, I'm not sure what it's like now, they only put you under local anesthetic, not general.
2: Right. So she could
1: feel the whole thing. Oh, Jesus. Um, and another was 19 when she found out she was pregnant. She was four weeks pregnant when she found out. And by the time she was able to have an abortion, she was nine weeks pregnant. Yeah. So she would had morning sickness, throwing up, like this horrible, horrible time. She said she was just bawling her eyes out because she was worried that she wasn't going to, be allowed to get the abortion yes. um, and then got PTSD afterwards. It's like yes. it's like abortion is not
2: something anyone wants to go through. No, exactly. And it's amazing that every single story we heard had like the most, almost exactly the same recurring themes of the fact that everyone was sure about their decision mm-hmm. and the traumatic part was the fact that they were forced to wait four or five weeks for it to happen, that and they were grilled. grilled. Even the fact that you're forced to have an ultrasound just before you do it and are asked, Like, you're forced to look at the Mm. baby on the screen and then be like, are you sure? Like, it's just all very... Yeah,
1: the one who was 16 afterwards, they asked if she wanted to keep it. She was just like, what?
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy. This was one of the girls who spoke to us. She said that it took six weeks, I think, until she could do it. And then she said that... um, I didn't realize that with a medical termination, you take a pill that effectively causes a miscarriage and that you would feel like going through childbirth for hours. Once the pill took effect, I couldn't walk and definitely couldn't drive. I was so ill and in pain. I vomited on the car ride home and was dripping in sweat and shaking uncontrollably. When I got home, I crawled into bed. I effectively experienced all the contractions that come with giving birth. Every 20 seconds or so, a fresh wave of deep bone-aching pain rippled through my body, a pain so intense and exhausting that I eventually passed out. After four hours, I woke up and it was over, though I continued to bleed for days. It was the most painful experience of my life. And in all honesty, it was heartbreaking. That's just,
1: that's horrible. Yeah.
2: So that was one experience. And then the second experience someone wrote to us about was that, and I think this is a very important point, was that the reason that she got pregnant was because her boyfriend didn't want to pull out, basically, and then said, can't you just get the morning after pill afterwards? And they were in Thailand. So she went around asking Thai fucking chemists if they could do it. And none of them knew what she was talking about. So then she got pregnant. The time that she was pregnant was the time that she found out that boyfriend had cheated on her. Her dad was sick and he died around the same time. And it was basically just, like, she says, the worst time of her life. And she says, I'm so thankful that I was able to easily terminate that pregnancy. I was also just about to start my career and I had a, a lot of emotions, but never once towards my pregnancy or abortion. I don't know if I was distracted or not maternal. I just knew it was the right thing to do and I barely even thought about it. The abortion itself was very painful as I meant I went down the medical route, which I would not recommend to others. I'm sure you have lots of stories, but I think getting pregnant is all almost always the fucking guy's fault. So why should they get such a say
1: a tweet from our girl alexandria ocasio cortez said if men could get pregnant there would be as many planned pregnancy centers as there are post offices yes and i think it's also um kind of important to say that both of us haven't had an abortion Yes, Um, we're not like not talking about our own stories on purpose yes um we're just lucky enough to have not experienced this
2: we're both really aware that all of the women that we've spoken to about this topic Uh, so so similar to us and that all the experiences they've had are experiences we've had we've just like they've been unlucky and we've been lucky essentially and the thing about our bodies is that you're the most fertile when you're the least equipped to understand the consequences of pregnancy you know like you know it's bad but you don't really really understand how intense it is. So when you're 16 and 17, you're having reckless, stupid sex. Like you're mm-hmm. not, you're forgetting to take your pill. You're using a condom. You're like getting drunk. You're you, it, it. It's just mistakes happen. And the thing is that exactly. mistakes are happening on guys perspective as well, but because it's not their problem, all the onus lies on women. You know, to um, it.
1: a journalist asked Trump because he like switched over switched sides. And yeah. now he's all like pro-life. Um, a journalist asked Trump when he was like a playboy in Manhattan was he ever um, involved with a woman who had to get an abortion? And he yeah. just said, that's a very interesting question. Next question.
2: <laughs> Obviously, like 400 times yes. that would have happened. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I think um, another thing to talk about is the cost of it, because we talked about the psychological impact, but there was another girl who wrote into us and said that she got pregnant when she was 19 she was had an incredibly positive experience with a young female doctor in Victoria who helped her through the whole process, but she said that it ended up costing her $650, or she was told it would cost her $650, and then because she had her parents' private health insurance, oh it went down to 250 but at the time she thought it would be 650 so she had to borrow money from like seven of her friends because she didn't want her parents to find mm. out, and then slowly pay them back over time because... So the added stress, when you're 19, like that's a lot of money now. When you're 19, $650 is like months and months and months of your your part-time pay. So I think that aspect as well, it just closes off the option for so many women.
1: But just imagine now, like I was talking to a friend and she... Yeah, she had an abortion when she was 16 and she was just like, imagine how different my life would be right now if I'd had to have that baby. And this is like all of these women Mm. in these states, in America and Northern Ireland, which actually has um, laws even stricter than Alabama. Yeah. That's their reality. Unless, like she said to me, she was like, I would do anything I could physically do to get that baby out of me like if you don't want a baby you will do anything she was like I would have done like whatever you have to do with a coat hanger to get that baby out of me so she was like not this isn't gonna lessen abortions it's gonna lessen safe abortions it's gonna lessen women's like women's safety they're going to be all of these like illegal clinics are going to be popping up that women die in yes and it's it's yeah it's just like absolutely terrifying and it also like I know that when we watched The Handmaid's Tale, you sort of thought, well, like before this happened, you sort of thought, oh, that would never happen because Mm. like in what world could the government just decide that women had no rights? In what world could they just kind of like block off a city and turn it into this crazy place and like decide women couldn't have jobs? I was like, that would never happen because no, we wouldn't let it happen. But then it's like, we just have no say. Like we actually don't. Like it's like, you would not think that men would be able to say women can't have abortions. Women can't like they do something with their own body and something that affects their own lives and no one else's, but this, this government just passes this law and what are we, what can we do? Like literally all we're doing is protesting and talking about it and like writing letters and having marches. But it's like, if they just decide they want to do something, we're fucked.
2: Yes. And the thing that, this is why it's so important and all these things are so related. And there was a woman who wrote for the cut about why she's so furious about these laws passing now and people being shocked because she's like, we've been trying to say for so long that this has been a grander plan of the right wing of the Republican Party. She was like, like, when Kavanaugh was nominated and when these very smaller tweaks to the legislation were passed, there was no outrage and it's taken until it becoming this huge, huge, huge thing for anyone to pay notice to it. It's because when you don't have... I think that if you sat down and spoke to the men who passed that abortion law, almost all of them would probably be fairly nice moral it's easy to talk to people the problem is that when you don't when you you cannot physically empathize with someone else's experience it becomes really 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 difficult Mm. to enact laws that reflect that which is why we need equal representation in parliament because you need half the room to be women so they can explain and say we're not going to let this pass because while you know like Nancy Pelosi for example she is personally pro-life, but politically pro-choice, right? She's yeah, like, I yeah, would personally yeah. not have an abortion. I would be upset if my daughter's had an abortion, but I believe women have the yeah, right to I choose. Have, I have so I vote that. Was... And I would totally understand as well people in parliament saying, and, and if you had women in government, they could say, look, you, you are. it's totally within your rights as a Christian to be personally opposed to this. It's totally within your rights to find the idea kind of unsettling and upsetting, and gross. It's totally within your rights to be... Personally against this, but you cannot let your religious beliefs infuse the laws of the country and take away women's autonomy. And the only way that conversation is had is if there's an equal number of people sitting having the conversation in parliament. Because it's very easy to legislate on something that will never ever ever, ever affect you, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Like I have friends who I know would never ever have an abortion themselves. And yeah. they're very, very much pro-choice. And um I was even listening to the Hilo um, which just came out, and it's talking about the abortion laws as well, and Pandora Sykes, who's one of the co-hosts, and she has a baby. Yeah. And she said, since I have had my baby, I am so much more pro-choice than I've ever been in my entire life because I am so well aware of the amount of time, energy, love, money. Money, yeah. It takes to raise a child. And, and raise a child well. Yes. yeah, Exactly.
2: Yeah. I just wanted to caveat as well by saying that in Australia, there are uh, like – abortion in New South Wales. I think it's only New South Wales where this law exists, but it's still officially illegal. It's lawful when the doctor considers... When the doctor believes on reasonable grounds that the operation was necessary to preserve the woman involved from a serious danger to her life or mental or physical health, which the pregnancy would affect. So it's basically like a loophole in the system currently is that if you go to the doctor and you say, I cannot mentally deal with having a child right now, then that doctor can say, okay, you have grounds for an abortion. Mm. But unless you're questioned and quizzed about the um, like a mental and physical impact on you, officially it's illegal to have one.
1: Even before 20 weeks, just at all.
2: I think at all.
1: Yeah, because in New Zealand, so like the the, the crazy thing is, is abortion is illegal like almost everywhere, but there's certain circumstances where – You can have one. So, for example, in New Zealand, the law is that abortions can be performed providing the abortion is approved by two certifying consultants and the pregnancy is less than 20 weeks old. Yes. Otherwise, just to save the life of the woman after 20 weeks. Yes.
2: it's 20 weeks in Australia as well. Seven to 12 weeks from the first day of a woman's last period is a surgical abortion. And in New South Wales, services for abortion are available up to 18 to 20 weeks.
1: So, but that's like so crazy. So 20 weeks and in these states in the US are saying six weeks because that when you can hear a heartbeat and so many women just have no idea. That's Don't, literally just missing a period. By a couple of weeks. Yeah, two, and then That's realizing. just being late, not yeah.
2: even missing a period. That's being like a couple of weeks. Like there's this great podcast called Five Thirty Eight that um, Zach and I listened to. It's like a political podcast in the States and they did a big episode on this. And this woman, Claire, is the only woman on the panel. And she was, there's like a big uh divide between the data from people saying that they do not say it's like 49% of Americans don't want Roe v. Wade to be overturned Mm. but 40 but like 52% agree with the heartbeat bill and they're like how do you come up with like if they don't want it to be overturned but they're agreeing with this bill like how does that make sense and she was saying I think it's because people don't understand what six weeks actually means in Mm, real life like they don't actually understand that it's physically impossible to get a six-week abortion because you don't know until you're, say, five. Say you're so, so, so on it and your period's three days late and you're like, okay, straight Mm -hmm. away, I'm so on top of this. Yeah, or you felt just like really, really ill. You felt sick, so you know that you're five weeks pregnant. You then literally have seven days to get booked into the doctor to get this crazy approval list done and to get the surgery done. Mm. like you've literally only got seven days to do it. And what if your abortion clinic is here? Or what if there's a wait list? Well, which like they will listen be, what to that if, girl yeah.
1: in New Zealand who yeah. found out at four weeks and couldn't get one till nine weeks. Yes. She'd be fucked.
2: Yeah, exactly. And then she'd be, she'd have done all the right things where she found out at four weeks. Yeah. And then still, because of the way the system set up still couldn't do it. Like six weeks sounds okay. I think to people who don't understand how it actually mm. works to get pregnant. Yeah.
1: And I think also it's worth talking a little bit more about Northern Ireland. So In Northern Ireland, it has the same laws as Alabama, which is like that a doctor can face 99 years or life behind bars. but For performing an abortion. Yeah, for performing an abortion. But in Northern Ireland, the woman can face the same amount of time behind bars, whereas in Alabama, it's not. Mm. Um, So in Northern Ireland, 28 women fly to the UK every single day for an abortion. So basically the only way they can get an abortion is if they order an abortion pill illegally and get it sent somewhere which is like so petrifying because police police raided the houses of women while they're at um, an International Women's Day march to try and find anti-abortion pills. Oh a mum is facing court and could face jail time for um, ordering an abortion pill for her 15-year-old daughter.
2: Jesus.
1: So police are like so, so, so strict there. And so these girls are having to fly okay. to England, which, which is a lot of money, have someone fly with them to look after them, book into the clinic where it's not, where it... Ch- it costs for them it's free for people in the for UK yes. citizens but it costs for them plus get accommodation for that night to be able to stay somewhere because you're too sick to fly back yeah like it costs so much money and so
2: so only people who can afford that will be able to get abortions yes exactly that's the craziest thing and something we've talked about as well as if you go back it, it, reducing unwanted pregnancy which obviously should be the goal so no one has to go through this and so we can eradicate abortion as much as humanly possible the way to do that is by making contraception and birth control easier for women and as it currently stands like it's a fucking nightmare Mm. like i'm nearly 26 and birth control for me is just a nightmare figuring it out like the pill makes me as sick as a dog have crazy mood swings i know people who've come off the pill and gained like 20 kilos and got horrible cystic hormonal acne yeah in their late 20s and just have to do like that's the options for them if they don't want to feel moody and crazy mm. all the time and then even on top of that they then have to get another form of contraception which is either getting a fucking piece of copper like shoved in your uterus or in your arm <laughs> yeah. like and it costs 300 dollars, and you have to wait otherwise you have to wait on a medical list and you have to go in and be put under mm. or if you're on the pill and the pill works out fine for you it's still like i don't know up to 50 bucks a month that you have to pay for like every option yeah sucks
1: and like i have had to get the um morning after pill the emergency contraceptive pill a few times when i was younger and then back then i'm not sure how it is now in new zealand but back then it was such a fucking process so it didn't even used to be available at the chemist You used to have to go to the doctor then they made it and that costs money you have to book an appointment everything then they made it available in the chemist but you would go into a chemist You would walk up to a usually male pharmacist. You'd like whisper because you were so embarrassed that you needed the emergency contraceptive pill. You'd be given looks by everyone in the pharmacy. You'd then be taken into a back room, sat down by this random man and asked how many sexual partners you've had. um, Like... Whether you use protection, whether you've had an STI, like all of this crazy stuff before you're given this pill that you have to pay $40 for. Oh my God. Like it's just such a mess. Yes, it's crazy. And I think and so many is, people don't have like access to that.
2: Yeah, exactly. When I was in like high school and uni, I was on the pill and it was sometimes I would just be like, I actually just can't afford it this month. Mm. And I would just not buy it for that month <laughs> yeah. and then, you know, like use a condom or whatever, figure it out. But it's that's what the reality is. For, for women, they're thinking about this all the time because guys don't have to think about it. All of the onus is on girls to figure it out and protect Yeah, and to themselves. make sure you don't get pregnant. Yeah, and then I think another thing to highlight to guys as well is that you probably don't realise how prolific abortion is because every single woman who spoke to us about this story didn't tell the guy about it. Yeah. so so And also a lot of women don't talk to,
1: to their friends about it. Like I didn't know one of my really good friends I had had one. I only yeah. know – out of all of my best friends in the world, I only know that three – Have had abortions and it's one in four women. Yes. So get four women in a room and one of them has probably had an abortion. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it sucks. (laughs) Basically. Yeah, it's really to
2: put it eloquently. It's really insane.
1: Yeah. Um, I will put in our show notes all the ways you can help to make a difference. There's places you can donate to. Yes. There's places you can write into. Yes. Um, so we'll put that all in the show notes. Um to wrap this up I kind of want to like I don't know give it a lighter note I know. so we don't wreck everyone's days I know. um how well Thoughts? the favorite <laughs> my favorite photo of all time surfaced on Tuesday oh
2: yeah, and
1: it is Leonardo DiCaprio (laughs) taking an Instagram photo well like it's definitely for her Instagram of his 21 year old girlfriend Camilla Marone (laughs) who also happens to be the girl we talked about last week that Anton weirdly follows on Instagram yes um and it's so funny because they're at Cannes Film Festival because she's got a film coming out and so does he and um he's like standing there in a hoodie with a cap and sunglasses on like all he ever wears yeah And he is standing so close to her while she, like, flicks her hair back like a fucking (laughs) swan.
2: She's in this, like, dancer's position. Yes. Like, I'm like, what will this be on Instagram? I've just been desperately waiting for it. I know. And,
1: like, obviously she hasn't put it up now. She's so embarrassed. But (laughs) also, he had the phone just, like, horizontal. Horizontal. Like, it's like...
2: It's such a dad move. I know. It's just like every time you ask your boyfriend to take a photo of you and it's just disgusting and like zoomed in and so gross. And you're like, why do I even bother? But also like
1: you- I would be embarrassed to ask Anton to take a photo of me, let alone like Anton is just not the man from Titanic. I know. You know, know. like it's just like – which also came out the year she was born. Just a little <laughs> side note. Oh, did it? Yeah. That is – that's wild. <laughs> yeah. That is such a good tidbit. Yeah. Um. <sighs> so – There's that. That's in our Facebook group and on our Instagram if you want to see Leo being a boyfriend of Instagram. I know. Um, And also then I got on like this
2: wild thing where I was looking through all of her Instagram photos picking the ones Leo took. I know. And it was hilarious because he was like, this one. And I was like, yes, because it's like this weird wide angle. It's shot from like below. Like it's the most unflattering angle. And it's cropped just so strange. Like half her body is
1: cropped off and then there's just way too much of the scenery. way too much, yeah, And she's obviously tried to like put it up because it was probably the best of a bad bar. Lunch. yeah and, and she's the two of them yeah so. and she put it up and she put like a slider because you know how that's kind of distracts from like it yes. being a shit photo yes yeah sorry camilla, camilla. <laughs> that's what you get i know um okay let's wrap this up please rate review and subscribe and we will see you next week yes
2: bye we have a special episode next yeah we week. do
1: we have a special we've already recorded it yeah we're, we're so prepped Woo.
2: bye bye <laughs>